This is Inside the Natural State, an Arkansas sports podcast. Here are your hosts, Zach and Steve. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Inside the Natural State, an Arkansas sports podcast. You can find Natural State Sports on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. All you got to do is in your search bar, put in Natural State Sports. Steve, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm uh, have a voice. Surprisingly enough, um, I'm, I'm I haven't been banned from Twitter or Facebook yet. No, no. I haven't buried any bodies in the last two days, so I think I'm gonna do it okay. So before we jump into the game, I gotta give a shout out to I believe it's the women's soccer team. Yeah, how about that? Knocks off the number one team in the country, the North Carolina Tar Heels, in Fayetteville. Not only that, they I, I heard that today, like. That was one only like twenty something times ever that North Carolina's been beat by two two or more goals. Mm-hmm. Like it was some crazy first statistic. S- well, it's the first SEC team to beat them by two or more goals. Yeah, but it's also like one of only like twenty or thirty something times oh, that they've wow. ever been beaten by two or more goals in their history. Like it was like it's never apparently it never happens. I don't know. Any, I, I heard that. I I could be completely wrong. But and like most of the time when I hear people on the radio wrong, I start screaming at my. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to scream at you. Well, someone probably is when they listen to this because I was probably wrong, but I swear that's what I heard today. I thought that was kind of yeah. cool. Well, yeah, but I mean, hey, shout out to them. Yeah. Knocking off the number one team in the country. Hey, we had a good weekend in Razorback. We did. I think the tennis, tennis team did really well this weekend. The soccer team took care of business. The football team won a game pretty impressively. Speaking of the football game. Oh, is that what we're here to talk about tonight? Thank you. Are we? Yeah. Yeah, thank thank me. What am I, thank you for te- making letting me tag along. Hey man, it was a, it was enjoyable. I'm was glad, glad we let the women cuddle in the back seat of the Jeep, yeah, right? Because <laughs> I wasn't cuddling with you all the way up. Nah, there. nah, nah. You did try to hold my hand a couple times though, so that was that was a little disturbing. Well, you know, I had to make sure you were going to the right places. Yeah, well, <laughs> you were a little excited. I was, dude. <laughs> I, and you know, I, I I tell it all the time. I've, I've been to games at War Memorial uh, for football. I've been to the Verizon Arena. Uh, for the basketball team, been to uh, Dickey Stevens and, and Baum Stadium, but I've never been inside of Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Well, we'll get into what your thoughts were on the game. Yes. I mean, uh, what your thoughts about the, the stadium was. So it was, it was a good time, though. I mean, saw some fun stuff, saw some, saw some good things out of the team. So what, what, what were your thoughts? It's a hell of a win, and I think it was a much-needed win. It was. It was, you know, you, you talked about it a lot coming up, and, of course, Morris addressed it, but, um, you know, respond how they would respond from, from the Ole Miss game. This has been a team that's not responded well at adversity, you know, over the last several years. So um, it was good to see them respond like they did, especially considering the way the game started. I mean, two plays in. And, and they let them go, what, 75? Yeah, I mean, the second play of the game, they go 75 yards. It was a weirdly designed defensive play. It seemed like – all 11 guys were within three yards of the ball. Yeah. Uh, Cam Curl took a terrible, uh, terrible angle, and um, they, they just busted it open, and no one was catching that kid. So um, that, was, that, that was concerning to start, but it was – I mean, but then the offense gets on the field, and the first play is a 38-yard pass. Yeah. So. And you uh, – let me, let, me let me just say this here. The first touchdown – you called it before the ball was I even mean, snapped. Was, that was that was easy. I, I did I did you know feel, feel a little smart there for a moment. But I mean, for a mo- yeah, for a moment. <laughs> I'm just there looking at. It, I'm like I'm like okay, not one on one. That dude's that dude's. If they don't throw if they don't throw a fade right here, they don't throw a fade. Right, there's a fade. Okay, all right. Hey, we and it went that, for so. a touchdown. Yeah, it went for. And let me tell you something. Trey Knox, Bur- Burks is obviously Burks and Knox are insanely talented, but Trey Knox has got to be the first receiver that I've seen on the hill in. 
oh gosh, six, eight years that catches with his hands. He doesn't catch with his body. He gets his hands out in front of him, and he snags the ball. He does not wait for the ball to get down there into him. So I was highly impressed with that. He, he didn't wait for that ball to come down. He high-pointed it. That was a perfect play by Knox. So I, I, I'm going to throw a, a curveball at, at you and Will. Um, what do you think would be the play of the game? Oh, that's simple. That's easy, and I'll touch on it later. Or maybe, well, we'll touch on it here in a minute. My thoughts on it. The O'Grady play was the play. You mean this one? Circle play action fake. He's looking to throw. Hit as he throws. Hits Grady just inside CSU territory. O'Grady inside the 40, still on his feet. Breaks the tackle at the 30, the 20, the 10. Touchdown, Arkansas. Cheyenne O'Grady, 62 yards. And that was some kind of play by the senior from Fayetteville. Wow. So, so yeah, that would be the play. That um, And I'm still getting chill bumps. Uh, hurt. I, I'm getting chill bumps, but it's also bringing me back <laughs> to a point that was frustrating me to no end at that point. And it's, it's one of the things that still concerns me about where this team is right now. So, so as that drive was developing, now we had just went up seven. Right. And we'd forced a punt, right? Right. Um, they had just had the big broken play that just before, a little before that, that tied it at 34. Yes. So the 75-yard touchdown, like third and 12, um, they tie the game. We then get back on offense, and we hammer down, move the ball down the field. Literally, well, we were trucking. The, the Arkansas offense we want to see, we responded exactly like we wanted to see them respond. They go up 41-34. Defense comes out, gets a stop, we get a punt. And I looked at everyone around us, and I think I even said it to you. Mm-hmm. These guys better not come out and play not to lose. And the first thing they do is they come out and they went conservative. They handed the ball off. They ran the clock down to under 10 seconds on the play clock Mm -hmm. and snapped. And then they did it again. I contend that C.J. O'Grady completely changed the the, the outcome of that game. Oh, absolutely. Because before that play happened – even every, the, the, there was a couple guys behind us that we interacted with quite a bit throughout the game. Everybody had the same opinion. Oh, hell, we're sitting here playing not to lose again. We're, we got conservative. The coaching staff has learned nothing. Because I think there was about eight minutes left in the game at that point. Colorado State had absolutely just feasted on our defense. And you're only up seven, and now your answer is to slow the game down, go opposite of what's been winning the game for you today. And then C.J. O'Grady becomes a man-child and just takes the game over. So, yeah, that, that's the play of the game. That might be the play of the season. Like, if we may look back I, – I, I know that's a lot of hyperbole. I know that's a little crazy. We may look back. Got because a lot of games left to be played to be calling it on that one. We do, but let's think about what happened last year. Number two and on we, Center's top ten, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but think about what happened last year. I think somewhere there in the fourth quarter or third, late in the third um, – I saw that statistic. I guess they showed it on the broadcast, and I showed you that the the last four possessions against Colorado State last yeah. year was like yeah no you did you, did, yeah. you showed it to me. So I mean I was I was concerned, and when I say when I say that that may be the play that literally cha- I'm not saying that's going to be the play that changes the season into a, an eight or nine win season. I'm saying that's the play that propels this team to win what we think they can win five six games, because maybe even a seven. We'll see, but. I don't know that I'm ready to say that, but, I mean, I think that play, I hope, will push this staff to understand, look, 
There's nothing wrong with stepping on another team's throat and putting this game away. Get the, that's what you do. With their, their seven minutes on the clock, and you're, it's, a, it's a touchdown, a 10-point game. This team has not proven that they can hold a lead. Push the ball down the field. Do what you do. Put this game away. If you're up 20, fine, get conservative. But if you're up seven against a team that's had your number most of the day. Keep the hammer yes, down. Absolutely. So that that concerned me. But and I and, and like I said, I contend that, that that may we may look back later in this season and 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 think, man, that that play changed the way this game this season was gonna go. Well, you know, last week I, I posed the question after Ole Miss, you know, he kept saying you know, it's all about a response. It's all about a response. And I posed the question last week. I said, can this team respond? Because at that point, we hadn't seen it. This game against Colorado State was one hell of a response. Now, the question is, does that carry over? Now, again, you got San Jose State coming in um, under the lights this week. But then you go to Arlington and play Texas A&M. Yeah. And that's where it's really going to tell where this team sits. Well, and, and I've – so so I've had these conversations with enough people on social media the, over the last couple I, of As days. I have seen. Um, and, and, and I've tried to have some you know, some realistic conversations with people. And there's some folks out there that are – of course, you got your negative your negative Nancys out there that are still not going to be happy. But then you got some people that – and I think we're going we're gonna to talk about this a little bit as far as what – you know, where we feel this team's at right now. But um, I – I think, you know, I, I am tempering my expectations, not to take away a future question here, but I'm tempering my expectations at this point, or my my excitement, I guess I should say. Because, um, I mean, I've seen them run the gamut online from we still suck to, to you know, oh, we, we're going to be competitive in every game we have left. Um, we could beat anybody on our schedule. You know, that oh, kind of I wouldn't stuff. go that far And so it. I'm thinking, you know, realistically, so, so I think I pride myself, I think we pride ourselves in, uh, in, in being able to be objective and not play the, you know, the Homer card. Um, you know, we're not indebted to anybody up on the university, so I feel like we can kind of say what we want to say here, um, and, and it's just our opinion. Um, but I thought they played two really good quarters of football, and I thought they played two very mediocre quarters of football. And I think that I, I think that, that, uh, that, would, that would be the explanation among a lot of fans. Now. There were opportunities, though, in both the second and third quarter. And this is what gives me the hope and excitement that I have as we go forward is they were very easy to clean up things. You, you saw, you know, you saw Knox stop a route at the top of his route that, that cost him a touchdown. Yep. Um, you saw several overthrows. You saw some really easy out route or out throws, especially one to O'Grady. I want to say it was in the second um, where O'Grady kind of rolled out. They, the play rolled to the right, and O'Grady, there was no one within 15 yards no. of O'Grady, and, and Starkle just literally airmailed it to the sidelines. And, and, and O'Grady <laughs> was five yards in front of him. So, And I think, I think that was one of the ones where, where you could see Starkle turn and go, how did I miss that? I mean, you could just see the expression, you know, how did I miss that? Yeah, and I, and I thought that, you know, something that I saw that I thought was that – that I did like – is you know we've we've talked and we've heard all year and we and I've seen it a lot at, at the games that I've been to is you watch the communication between the the wideouts and the quarterback and getting them lined up. They almost looked a little confused. Well, they did, and and we've seen that every game. It wasn't as much in this game. It didn't stop or slow down the game as much. Um, but the other thing that I saw that I that I liked was, um, you know, and I, I'm I'm not picking on Ben Hicks here because I didn't pay enough attention to him. Um, I've heard a lot of different 
things that people have said, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to jump on those because I don't know how much truth there is to it. But one thing that I noticed from, Hart, or from Hicks is uh, his, his, his body language on the field when he was actually playing in those first two games was when a receiver made a mistake, he got on him hard. Like, he was yelling. He was telling him where they you – know, I mean, and, and in essence, somewhat being a coach on the field, but there was no back and forth. It was, you know, you listen to me. This is what need, This is what you should be doing. Whereas when you see Starkle, there was a play that I think – I don't know if you saw I think we talked about it. But there was a play early where they tried to throw a fade, a back shoulder to Knox – and that was the one where he quit running. No, no, no. It was before that. This was this the one where Knox stopped running was Knox was wide open. This one he there was good coverage, but Knox was in the right position. Knox had the sideline on one side, he had the player on the other. He was he if the ball is thrown on his outside shoulder, it's a first down. But the ball was thrown oh, on yeah, his yeah, inside yeah. No, shoulder. Yeah, you and I were talking and, about that. And the ball got knocked down and immediately hit, or Starkle knew that he had made a mistake and Knox is motioning for him to throw it at the sideline. Both of them came together, and then we saw later. I mean, their, their their chemistry just continued to grow. That gives me a lot of hope because if those three guys, if Knox, Burks, and O'Grady are all in tune with 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 Starkle going forward, we're a dangerous team. We are a dangerous offense, um, and we are only going to get better offensively. Oh man, <clears throat> where the hell did this team come from? Because no, no, wait, wait. This is not the same team we saw against Portland State. This is not the same team we saw even in the second half against Ole Miss. Where in the hell did this team come from? I think this was a lot of what we saw in the second half of Ole Miss. I think this is kind of – I think we saw the beginnings of it. Yeah. But not to this extent. Well, no, because, I mean, they built a game plan around Starkle. I I don't think anybody expected us to land 500 yards of offense and 55 points. Well, if you go back – I think if you go back and listen to my prediction last week, I was pretty close to 50. I think I was like 40-something, 30-something. I mean, I was – I told you, I, I felt this would be a high-scoring game. Now, I felt it would be a high-scoring game for a different reason. <laughs> I thought that uh, Colorado State would throw the ball over the yard on us, um, which they did not do. Um, so, I mean, I can't say that I was surprised at what I saw out of the offense on Saturday. Um, obviously, would like to see more consistency. But, I mean, I, I, we talked about this last week. This team is the way that they're built. The offensive line, while it played much, it played much better, um, and I thought Ty Clary was much improved. His snaps were, were really, really Getting good. Getting there, man. Um, he had just a couple where it looked they were knuckleballs, but everything else was really good. And, man, he had two huge blocks, including the one that broke open the 59-yard run by, uh, by Boyd. So, um, I'm not – I can't say that I'm, I'm, I'm surprised at what I saw from the offense. Um, it's kind of what I expected, the, the passing game, um, to the, the, using the passing game to open up the running game, which I think is exactly what happened. They were able to back Colorado State off. It opened up plenty of lanes, and you saw that Boyd and Whaley were able to run wild, and we finally saw two running backs look really good. And even Hayden had some moments in the game yeah. where he looked okay. So um, it was nice to see that. It was fantastic to not see the wild hog this week. Um, I called that play, Chuck. Yeah. I called that play. Man, that was – so, yeah, I mean – where did this team come from? I think this is the team that we've heard about. I think this was the first time that the offense has clicked right off the bat, the game plan. And you noticed, I don't know, I noticed this. I took some notes from it. But the first drive of the game and the first drive of the second half were probably two of their most successful. Yeah. To me, all this arguing over play calling, game planning, and all this crap, 
those two drives to me prove this team know th- these coaches know how to call plays and they know how to game plan. We've just needed guys on the field to execute it. And I think we've got a good group right now. We do. And and, and I think you guys you made the point uh, and Katie made the point too. These guys look like they want to play for Starkle. They didn't look like they really want to play for Hicks. Well, and 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 so during and I think it was during spring or fall camp. I think it was spring spring ball. You know, Arkansas puts out these little videos, little snippets of practice right. and things like that. They had Ben Hicks mic'd up, and I don't remember where. I don't remember what the timeline was this year. I think that was spring because I think I know where you're going. They had him mic'd up. And to me, as a fan, that video, I don't remember exactly verbatim what he said, but how he said it and everything else, it made him come off cocky. Yeah. And I get it. He supposedly knows the offense. But why would a why would an, another player want to be around somebody who's cocky like that? Well, and I mean, I think you want your quarterback to be cocky. You want him to have a. You want him to. I have say an air you want him, him to be confident, but, not cocky. Well, and I, I, I've walked that fine line of cocky and confident, I guess. So I, I get it. Like, I, I have no problem with. I, I've got no problem with my quarterback being being cocky, confident, whatever you want to call it. Because I want a guy back there that's a leader. That that's what that position's all about. Um, the problem is, is I think Starkle came in here with this. I'm better than everybody because I know the offense, and this is my job. Hicks, kinda, or, I mean, I'm sorry, Hicks came into came into the into this program with that thought process. Initially, he was all we could get. You know, once Kelly Bryant spurned us, and then uh, did he really though? I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yes. What did he did he spurn us? Yes. Did we do at the end of the day? Would we have wanted him? I don't know. I mean, based on what I think, what we've heard has happened. No, I wouldn't want him, but. At the end of the day, if let's be real, if Kelly Bryant was on campus as the starting quarterback right now, we'd all be excited. So let, let's let's not act like we wouldn't be because the offense would be fit would be fit around him, and, and they they would have been moving the ball. The thing is, is I think we misunder we 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 forget what Kelly Bryant can do offensively and what his skill set is. His skill set would have fit. This offense, especially with a a really kind of lacking offensive, a lackluster offensive line, his skill set doesn't fit what they want him to do at Mizzou. His skill set would have fit this offense better. So, uh, as much as I don't like what happened, if to me, if if Kelly Bryant's here, we're probably pretty excited about what we see on the offense. So, so from that perspective, once we got past that, we were, uh, you know, we had. Um, once we got past that, we have, you know, Hicks was their only option. So I think when you bring a guy in like that who knows the offense, who's played for the staff, I think he had that thought process of, look, I'm the guy. This is my one shot. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to show out. Then suddenly Nick Starkle became available and things changed. And shockingly, we got him on campus. I never would have predicted that. No, I remember when the name came out, I was like, there ain't no chance. No, like, there's that's no exactly way. What I said, well, number one, we have Hicks. Why would Starkle come here? But then the two-year thing obviously played a big – a big. That that's the biggest difference because if he'd have been a one-year guy, there's no way he would have come here to battle with another one-year guy, no matter if he thought he could win the job or not. Right. Now, so, here's here's an interesting fact, and, and it's an obvious one, okay? Hicks wasn't recruited as an SEC quarterback. He was recruited in the American Athletic Conference at SMU. Yeah. Starkle was com- w- w- was recruited as an SEC quarterback at AM. Yeah. Okay? That's the difference. Yeah, Hicks knows the offense. He don't know the SEC. He does now. Well, he doesn't really. Somebody had told me today, 
Yeah, he didn't. He, yeah, he. If somebody had said something today, and I don't know if it was on the radio or what, that, uh, and I just lost my train of thought. Oh. I mean, I was going somewhere with it. Someone told you something about Ben Hicks today. Yeah. But you don't remember what it was. Don't remember. That's I okay. I don't know where ben, I was going with it. Someone told Ben Hicks about how to run an offense, and he don't remember either. Oh, so. shots fired. Ah, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> What's the, okay. So, we're wrapping up here, the first segment, Okay. Mm-hmm. The biggest difference you've seen from last year's team to this year's? Yeah. There's, there's so many things. What's the one thing that you saw on Saturday that you didn't see a year ago? I mean, I, I give you, I'm going to give you two. Number okay. one is we have a quarterback. So I don't feel like we've had, we haven't had a quarterback really. I mean, Austin was serviceable, but Brandon <laughs> Allen's probably the last guy that you went. Okay, we can get things done with him on the field. As much as people didn't like Brandon Allen, that dude was prolific while he was here. Wait a minute. While you're mentioning Brandon Allen, I'm, I'm going to do this on behalf of, of my other half. If anybody from – and I doubt this, but if anybody from the Denver Broncos is listening, <laughs> please bench Flacco and start Brandon Allen. I think you'll have a little bit better of a shot. Uh, I don't know. I, anyway, I don't know. So, but yeah. Anyway, that's my little parlay of that one. So – Quarter, we have a quarterback. I think that's the number one takeaway, the difference between last year's team and this year's team. But um, the other thing to me is their ability to respond. So we saw that on we saw that over on Saturday. There was a lot of adversity at times in that game. There were some very questionable calls. Um, there were some situations that we got ourselves in that this team normally would have just kind of folded up the tent and said, you know what, let's go to the locker room, screw it, San Jose State's next week. Let's go party tonight. Um, this team didn't do that this week. They answered. The defense stepped up after a game where basically for three-fourths of the way, they got run all over, and they played big boy football in the last eight minutes of that game. Yeah. So, uh, Biggest one, like I said, I saw a lot of heart on that field on Saturday. Yeah. A lot of heart, a lot of, lot of people that did not want to quit. Yeah. And that's absolutely. something that this program has been missing for a long, well, long time. There's finally some leadership. You've, and you've that's got exactly what I that's yes and and I think it's right now it's and, and I lo, and I love it because it's easy to build leadership right now when you have guys like Scooter um, you have Sosa you know the offensive line, offensive side doesn't really have that guy that you I mean Starkle obviously seems like he's the head and shoulders the guy that everybody wants to follow but you don't have that older guy that, that everybody's looking at I mean Starkle will be that guy before the season's over on the offensive side you would think assuming he stays healthy um, but when you have so many young guys. And you got guys like Scooter and those guys that can take these guys and really teach them, you know, what they need to – I mean, those are NFL guys, potentially. You know, Scooter's going to get a shot. Definitely. Um, if he doesn't, then, then they're, missing, they're missing something. Yeah. So, I mean, Scooter's going to get a shot. And, and, I, and, and, and then you got a guy like Cam Curl and some others. So, I mean, the leadership is there this year. That's the biggest difference right and now. And that's exactly what I wanted to see coming into this year. It took yeah. a little bit to get there. But I think I think we finally – so, final question before we wrap this up, and, and, and I've been rolling this around in my head for the last four or five hours. Has your record prediction changed after seeing what you saw Saturday? No, no not for me. I'm, I'm still in that five and six – five to six range. Um, you know, I, nothing that I saw Saturday makes me jump not, – nothing, nothing that I saw Saturday makes me – just overly, you know, excited about the future in terms of wins or losses this year. I think this team still is what we thought they were. They're they're an average football team. Um, now, got, now, don't be quoting your inner bear. Okay, <laughs> they're they're an average football team with an above average quarterback that I can is agree with that. going to get better. 
Um, but until I see this team do it against a, a good defense, because well, we'll get into this more, but until I see this team do it against a really good defense in the future, uh, like an SEC type defense, I'm 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 still going to be extremely skeptical of what this team, how many games this team can win this year. The, the fun thing is, I think it's going to be an exciting year, though. So, what what was so? I'm going to agree. <sighs> I'm not looking forward to this next segment. Actually, I am, to be totally honest with you. Um, but before we get there, I want to play the uh, immediate reaction from Coach Morris. And I want you to listen to the elation in his voice versus the Portland State game. Okay. okay? Those are the only – because right now, you're, those are the only two you got to go on. Yeah. Okay. But I want you to listen to the elation in his voice. Okay. Ain't it fun to win? Yeah, we fucked up going. So let me tell you, you had to win in the fourth. I just want to go back and I want to talk about our culture because mental and physical toughness had to prevail in the fourth quarter. It all went back to our our culture, what we stand for. And the fact, guys, we started winning this game last Saturday night when we stepped off that field. And it did nothing but confirm all week long the great response that each and every one of you had. And then we asked you, just do one thing, play hard. And damn it, we play hard, man. Everybody sold out. This was a huge win for this program, make no mistake. Momentum, momentum is wearing an Arkansas jersey. Now listen to me, it's one day at a time. We're gonna enjoy this one tonight. We're gonna celebrate. Turn the music up in a minute. Listen, we gotta make great decisions tonight because actually them few do what? Listen, make great decisions tonight. We wanna be back in here tomorrow. Let's get ready to get another one next week. Right here. And I like it. Yeah, so so vast difference, and I'm going to touch on that when we get back. Subscribe to Inside the Natural State and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at Natural State Sports. Welcome back, everybody. Zach and Steve with you. So as we come back here inside the natural state, we're in the Dub Club. We're in the Dub Club. Yes, so, we are. So we were. You you asked. You you posed a question to me that I wanted to finish up real quick uh, yeah. before we get going here. So my thoughts on the differences is what we heard from Morris after that win versus what we heard after the Portland State win. Um, I think are simple. I think that Morris had a lot of expectations for Ben Hicks. That's why he named him the starter for for the Portland State game. And I thought that um, he was extremely disappointed in the way the offense ran and moved and the way they responded versus what he saw in this game and the way they responded. Obviously, the finish was way more exciting. So that, that's where I think it is. I, I, you saw a lot of that in, in, in uh, Morris's demeanor after the first two games and him talking about Hicks. So. Well, even still, I mean, his first word after coming out of a press conference was, I'm not going to apologize for a win. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he knew it was bad. I mean, he knew what, what we saw was not what he wanted on the field. It wasn't what he expected to be out there. So, I mean, I can't blame the guy. So, um, so yeah. yeah. We're now – matched yeah our win total from a year ago and we still have 10 games left or nine or nine <laughs> so i don't know how to count so yeah, well you know we'll see don't, what happens. don't hold that don't hold that against me 
Ten with a bowl game. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, there you go. Doesn't have to be a great bowl game. Just got to be a bowl game. So, I think we've hashed this out for seven straight episodes, so we all are aware that this was your very first experience at Donald Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Donald W. Donald Reynolds Razorback. Razorback. There you go. It's a lot of, <laughs> lot of stuff. Um, you want to try that one again? Yeah. yeah. This was your first experience to the home of the Hogs. It was. and uh, Not during spring ball and not during right. fan day. So, so, what were your thoughts? The fireworks scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well. That was, yeah. But no, um, and, and and for those of that know me, know why it bothered me. But but I had a blast. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> you kept me in the, in the concourse area. The concourse is kind of small. Well, where we went through is small. We were kind of in that, that middle level. So if you go down, there's more room, and you go up from where we were, there was more room. Okay. We were just, that section that we went down was kind of, it's just a real tight little... Okay, because corridor. I was like, they, they put a concession stand, and like only one person could be in line, and it yeah. just jacks everything up. Yeah, if you if we would have went downstairs, you'd have seen a little. It, but I mean, I've, I've gone through gate one, so yeah. I got to see you know all the, the the wide open and everything. Right. Um, I have yet to see everything in the north end zone. Well, most haven't. You can't really get in there unless you hand over some money. So. Well, not true. <laughs> um, apparently, there's a hall of honor in there. Yeah. There's there's a couple of other cool things. Yeah. Um. Overall, it was it was great. Okay, what you what you think about the atmosphere? Now, preface this by saying that it was not a great crowd. Um, fifty five thousand supposedly what bought tickets. I'd so roughly, it would have sold 000. out at at War Memorial. Yeah, yeah. So okay. What What were your thoughts on the on the atmosphere? Atmosphere was great. However, I have a couple of. Not so great things. Okay. The, the media in between timeouts and in between quarters and things like that, you've got a lot of dead air, that dead time and things like that. I think it was between the first and the second quarter. And you had even said something about it that, and I'm all for, you know, uh, recognizing our national champion mm-hmm. track team. I'm all for recognizing the, uh, the, the inductees former players. I'm all for that. But the best way to hype up our fans, you're coming off one of the best quarters of the of of the Chad Morris era and you kill it. You want to know something funny about that? What? I said that on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And do you know who responded to that? Who? The university. Pull that tweet up if you can find it. No way. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. This <coughs> this did you tweet at the university? I, I, I included Hunter Urichek because I, what, I, what my tweet basically was, was, hey, you know, while I get the need to, to honor our national champions and such, I felt, and, and again, now let, let's, let's make sure, I, let's make sure this is known. This, this wasn't just some random plan to throw the national championship team out there between the first and second quarter. That was the plan. Like, right. They could not plan for the fact that that was, but let, let's be real. Like in that scenario, is that like, I'm I'm am f- fine with them honoring people like you said, but my goodness, let's let's think about the 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 argument for years now has been the lack of in-game excitement, the the lack of game atmosphere, the lack of getting the fans hyped up. I thought at times they tried, but I'm thinking, man, if there's a worse time for you to do that, then like now is the time. Yeah. So so this was my tweet. I said I'm all about honoring folks, but Hunter Yurichek can wor- can we work on timing? 
I said, we just had our best quarter of the year, and you do a five-minute presentation that kills any fan excitement. And, and the I'm almost, Arkansas Razorback Twitter page uh-huh. responded and said they were national champs. That didn't kill the excitement. Were they in the same stadium I was? Because that place went from rocking to, dead. to a, a little hog call that they asked us to all stand up and do with the national champions. Again, not taking anything away from them. But at the end of the day, to me, and, and I'm, I, I'm, I, that is almost a tone-deaf type response by the university, in my, in, my, in my opinion, of, you know, well, yeah, well, we don't care because that's our national champions. Well, yeah, there are national champions, and we understand that. Hell, but yeah. Let's, let's, let's do a little better job of when we actually – when we slow the thing, the things down with the in-game atmosphere. I wouldn't mind them doing it at halftime. Yeah, I mean, you had halftime. You that had, was that would have been a perfect time. Right. I mean, now, granted, everybody's going to be doing concessions, getting bathroom breaks, everything, but still, that would have been a perfect time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it that that's been and that's been a constant problem though. Um, you know, we we talk about the the lack of fans. That you know the and, and again. When it's 95 degrees outside and it's steaming hot and it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, it is easier to sit on my couch and watch the game at yeah. home because I can scream at my TV just as loud as I can scream at the game. Now, it's a lot more fun high-fiving and dancing. Well, and when jumping. we're at Boudreaux's, I, I have to have – you. Know, okay, real quick, I'm going to caveat. You know the guys on the sideline that hold the coaches back? Yeah. that I need to hire one of those guys for me because I get rowdy. We were fortunate that we had like a whole long row. Oh, dude, and we took up every bit of it too, <laughs> didn't we? We did. It now, I finally had to get up and start just running. because That was- brings me to my next point. You know how they, on third down, let's make noise, let's get loud. Right. You know, hype up. And I, I turned around and tried. There were several of us that was trying to get the crowd involved because it was just dead yeah if you bought a ticket get off of your phone and enjoy the game so there was there half of 90 percent of the, the the people that sat above us just sat down yeah so so i'm 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 really embarrassed to admit this but um so sunday afternoon by about late sunday afternoon the one thing that hurt on me the most was my deltoids yeah <laughs> from, from literally doing this yeah. Like from trying to motion people to get oh, the heck it's, up. It's like, still sore. Yeah. And I'm it's like, still sore. Like I'm embarrassed to admit that's how fat and out of shape I am that I was frigging that I'm hurting from asking the fans to stand My, up. But I'm like, you, okay. So I, it was obvious that, and, and okay, I'm going to say, I felt like this was a little high schoolish, um, but having all of the walk-ons or whoever those players were that weren't in pads get together between the 40s with whoever the get back coach was and start dancing. Like I get that they're trying to hype the sidelines up and I was cool with that, but it looked a little high schoolish. Well, I think I, and I didn't have any problem with it because it, it got them energized. It yeah, kept so, them going. So that's my point though, is that you, you for me that you want to see that. Yeah. So th- that's my point though, is that there was more excitement on that sideline than we've seen in a long time. The, the players were dancing. I think I, po- I pointed out it was Fuchsia a couple times because um, we were kind of diagonal from the defensive huddle every time. And so you could see as those guys came off after big plays, they're dancing and having a good time. But then you look in the stands, and I'm with you. So at one point I took a video, and I, I don't know if it ever actually posted on Twitter, but I took a video and posted it. We're like it's third and I think seven or eight, and it's the third quarter. It's a close game, and – Everybody, they're asking everybody to get up. We're all screaming and yelling. And literally every fan within eye shot of me is on their phone, playing on their phone. I'm yeah. like, 
why are you sitting in the 90-degree heat at a football game that you paid to be at playing Candy Crush? So, like, give me a break. I got so rowdy that they put me on the Jumbotron. You the Jumbotron. I made the Jumbotron, (laughs) and Katie got it. Yeah. So it will forever be remembered. But I mean, and I, of course, I look like a kid that was having a spastic attack, throwing my hands up, and jerking. <laughs> now that I go back and see it, but here's, and, and that's how much passion I have for the Hawks, whether they lose, whether they whether they lose like last year, winning, what have you. That's the kind of intensity I always bring. I think I only sat down maybe a few times for a few minutes just to give my calves a break. Yeah. Because I was jumping around and hollering. It's a freaking miracle. I have a voice to record the podcast yeah. tonight. It, it was, I mean, it was definitely exciting. You know, there was uh, some, some. I guess, okay, so this kind of goes back to the point I want to make later. But um, how'd you feel about the booing? Like, specifically, the booing on the decision to initially not go for it on fourth down. I think it was necessary at that point. Because I've seen a lot of people get mad, and even Starkle came off the field trying to get the crowd to stop booing, um, kind of wait, okay. trying to do the, the quiet mean, down motion. Yeah, and, and, I, and, and I saw that. But how are you going to go and move the ball? I mean, they were trucking. They had 250 yards in the first quarter alone. Right. Okay? How are you going to go and, and, and bust your ass and keep going and keep moving the ball, and then on a fourth and two, you're going to kick it? Yeah. Well, it wasn't fourth and two. It was fourth and inches. I mean, yeah, it was it was, it was like a time, nose of the less, football. Yeah, it was less you got than a yard. Six, what is he like? Six three, six four. Six four quarterback. You got a six four quarterback. Put it in his hands and tell him to go. Well, and that's exactly what they did, and they got the first down, except for the Stromberg false start. But that's the exact thing they did. They ran just a simple sneak, and he fell forward for four yards. So it was like my thought process. And again, not trying to. But jump did off, you but notice though? Did you notice as soon as he he called a timeout and they sent him back out there? They did, but that but, was my issue is they, they second-guessed themselves in that situation. Instead of just going with the momentum and understanding the situation, I felt like the staff kind of second-guessed themselves. And it killed the momentum. Well, it did because then you went back out and they had the false start and we punted. Right. So, I mean, it, it killed that. But, so, Which, I mean, by the way, game ball to the punter. Holy oh crap, Sam dude. Sam Lloyd is a beast. Another one of those what-the-hell-were-you-thinking decisions on who they started at punter in game one. Like, why, is, why would Reed Bauer, Bauer ever kick a ball at the University of Arkansas again? He may be a good. I, I, he may be a good punter, but he's not. Well, he he's been there long enough to know he's not. 30, 30 yards. That's the best we could do at a at a read. I'm now, Sam Lloyd. Now he's, that, that dude. Huge game ball player of the week in my book. Hands down, Connor Limper. Oh man, that 54. 54 and he still had a good four or five yards yeah, he, on it. He was. I, I I my buddy messaged me in the game. He was like, "Oh yeah, that from 60. I'm like, "No, I didn't. I went back a little bit. He had that from sixty. Like that ball. Yeah. He 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 touched that ball. Um, overall experience though, I'll I'll definitely be back. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and and I'll say this. So you know, I know we we talked a lot as we were walking through about the lack of tailgating. Um, the lack of, you know, it was really empty. It was. And, um, the, you know, kind of my thoughts is, you know, and I was telling you a lot of the areas we walked through were normally full. So one thought that I had and not to you know take you out of the hot seat here, but one thought that I had was, okay, everyone's in Hogtown. Like, cause it's really cool. What the hell is Hogtown? Yeah. What, about that. Okay. What, what is this weird crap going on? What? Like, Honestly, tell okay. So this was my first impression. I've never seen it. I walk up and I'm literally expecting a street full of wide open vending and fun. It's 
a bunch of trucks. It's a in, lane. It was a it, lane it, on well, Maple. It's a bunch of trucks, but it's just one middle lane you got to walk through. Yeah. It's all cordoned off with some weird-looking woman on stilts with balloons <laughs> hanging off over all over the place. I had no idea what that was. And then they and butchered then, friends in low places. Oh, God. The awful cover band <laughs> that was screech screaming Garth Brooks songs. I could not get away from Hogtown fast enough. I'm telling you, I thought it was the most obscene, ridiculous, stupid thing I've ever seen the university try to do to create an atmosphere at a game. You and I walked by and you and I looked at each other and I looked at Katie and I went, what in the hell is that god awful noise? So my wife was trying to get video and pics for the pages and stuff. And I'm like, babe, we got to go. I cannot listen to this crap anymore. Like we have got to get away from here. One of the other things, and, and, and we saw, uh, you saw the statue for the first time, the hog statue. Yes. Yeah. And thank uh, you, Michigan. Yeah. Right. It's beautiful. And we were walking over there and all of a sudden somebody had a, <laughs> Somebody had a trigger finger yeah. and decided to set the fireworks off, yeah. and I about pissed myself. <laughs> Not to mention, like we were saying, we were standing at the fountain, which is, I mean, we were 30 feet from where the firework went off. And yeah, was, but, uh, yeah, right. Ooh. So, we, and, I, and, I, I, and I haven't seen the arena yet, but I, I can say I've been inside the Bud Walton. Yeah, you've been in the lower area. I've uh, been in the lower area. trophies and stuff, which um, is cool. My first Razorback game I ever remember watching was that 94 championship team. Yeah. And I finally got to see it with my own two eyes was the 94 championship trophy. Yeah. And that was that was pretty sweet. That was cool. You got to see the runner-up from 95 if yep. you want to. So yep. um, really, really, really cool experience to get a seat. As somebody who's that. been a Hog fan for 20-plus years, that meant a lot to me. Yeah. And uh, I was like a little kid in a candy store. We walked up the ramp, and I looked around and was like, okay, all right. Well, I, I hope the next one you get to go to is a little more well attended. Uh, yeah, because you kept saying you kept saying you, know, you look when this thing is packed out, seventy six thousand screaming fans. Yeah, it's a different animal. It's a man. different animal. It is. It's a different but, animal. But uh, San Jose State six o'clock SEC Network six thirty six thirty. Yep. yep. Um, we are officially under the lights. Yep. So, man. Reynolds Razorback State. I would definitely be back. Well, good. It was a good time. Good time. I'm glad we got to go. I'm glad you guys. I appreciate got to, you. Glad you guys. Let me come to, along, uh, man. Hopefully, it's the first of many. It will be. We're gonna be at a lot more. I'm glad you got to experience it. It was a good time. So coming up, we get to pick Hutch's brain. This will be fun because Andrew I got Hutchinson of Hogbeat.com. You can find him on Twitter at NWA Hutch. Coming up right after this on Inside the Natural State. We the people stand tall, equal, and free in pursuit of happiness and premium American spring water. Mineral-rich, revitalizing goodness. With a naturally detoxifying high alkalinity. And 7.8 pH. Bottled in glass. To oxygenate our brave, proud selves. The healer and hydrator of. We. 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 The people. The Mountain Valley spring water. Back to the source. Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. Joining Zach and Steve is Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com. You can find him on Twitter at NWA Hutch. Well, Hutch, give us your thoughts. What do you think about what we saw this weekend? It's a win, baby. Exactly. That's the number one thing. It's a W in the, on the schedule, so uh, it's, it was a good weekend for Arkansas. Uh, you know, wins have been hard to come by, you know, 
two of them last year, four of them the year before that. So uh, anytime you can get a win, you know, no matter how it looks, I think is a good thing. But uh, to see the offense actually look like a Chad Morris offense, uh, I think is just something to get excited about. I think Arkansas fans probably wouldn't be as excited if they had gone out there and won 21 to 14 or something. Uh, so, so to see it, see it go 55, 34, I think was a, a reason to get excited if you're an Arkansas fan. Absolutely. So, so we talked last week before going into the game and I think the big, the big thoughts were, uh, you know, their passing game had been pretty, pretty prolific. It seemed. Um, so what were your thoughts, uh, after the second play of the game, we see the bad angle and 75 yards later, it's seven, nothing. Oh man. My, uh, my, my first thing I said was like, Oh God, here, here it goes. Like it, it, they're like, they, they suck. They're never going to win. You know, it's just kind of, you know, the, the classic overreaction with, when you cover the team this long or been around the team for as long as I have and y'all have, you know, it, it's hard not to have that just gut reaction uh, when something like that happens. But there were, there were plenty of times throughout the game where you think, oh, oh, God, here we go again. You know, they blow the lead and it's a tie game going in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, they, they had a chance. To, you know, there was a fourth down call. For, uh, the false start backs up. You have to punt it away. I mean, there, there was a lot of stuff that, you know, you, you that happened. And, I mean, I was up in the press box telling Nick Chavanel, you know, my coworker at Hogbeat, I was like, well, here it is. They, they're going to lose. Here, here, here it is. The, the choke is on. Uh, but they, they found a way to get it done. And I think that was probably the, the biggest thing if you're, if you're Arkansas, like as a team, you can take away from it. I think that's what Chad Morris talked about at uh, Monday's press conference is that, you know, it, it's a, the way they won is what the program needed. Uh, so I thought that was a, a, a very positive takeaway, I guess you could say, for Arkansas. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought, you know, it was a really up-and-down game. I felt like, you know, the first quarter outside of that first play, you know, I thought we, we, played, we played really well, um, seemed to move the ball pretty well up and down the field there early, and then the second quarter it really kind of bogged down a little bit. So it, it was definitely exciting to watch, but I think you watched, if you, if you watched even the social media reactions, I think everybody took that same course of, oh, here we go, and then, oh, no, here we go again. So it was uh, – Well, but, I mean, at the same time, uh, when, you're, when, you're di- when, when, when you've gone as long as we have with vanilla and that up, oh, well, there's that first score and no defense – that, I mean, that's going to be your initial reaction. Yeah, but I think the most exciting part, I think, and Hutch touched on it when we first started here, was you know the fact that we got to see a good part of what the uh, what this Morris offense is going to look like. Um, I did a little bit of uh, charting back after getting to watch a little bit of the game, and on that first drive, they were uh, you know ten to fifteen seconds between snaps or less. So um, that was pretty exciting to see. Um, you know, a few things that I, and I don't, I don't know about your thoughts, Hutch, but, uh, you know, some of the stuff that I saw that I know was some concerns as far as communication between the wideouts and quarterback kind of slowed us down at times. But I thought they executed fairly well other than, you know, a few plays here and there. Yeah, and Chad actually talked about that. And the, the big reason they were able to go fast, like you were saying, is that uh, they had first down efficiency. They, you know, uh, Nick Starkle completed a bunch of his first down passes. Uh, they they were able to get things going in the run game. The offensive line opened up some running lanes, uh, and they they weren't in second and third and long as much. And, and when you get in those situations, it opens up the playbook more, and you know they're able to to actually go go fast because you don't want to go fast to go three and out because then you're putting your defense in a really bad spot. 
you see that sometimes these days with you know the offenses being the way they are. Uh, if they're not good, the defenses are terrible because they just get worn out. Uh, so I think that was the big thing is it is this week was they were able to to stay on the field uh, and put drives together, be efficient on first down. And they were able to pick up the pace a little bit. And I think that's that's a good thing. I think you're going to see a little bit more of it as as Nick Starkle gets more and more comfortable with his offense. Uh, they'll probably continue to, to maybe uh, take it up a notch or two as far as the, the speed thing. Hutch, some of the uh, some some of our followers on Twitter are asking, what is the status of Bumper Pool? Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think he's. I think I can't remember if he said day to day. It's basically day to day is how I would describe it. I, I would be surprised if he played this week, especially since it's San Jose State. That's a team you should be able to beat. Uh, playing a, a Hayden Henry or Devon McClure or Grant Morgan, you know those guys. Uh, but you definitely need them two weeks from now when you play Texas A&M. So I would I would assume uh, they're not going to play him. Obviously he he didn't play much. He played a little bit in the first half, uh, left the game, uh, came back out in the second half in street clothes and a arm and a sling. Uh, it's a shoulder injury of some sort uh, and. It doesn't sound like it's super severe, uh, but granted, you also got to keep in mind Chad Morris isn't exactly uh, always the most uh, forthcoming when it comes to injuries. Uh, he'll say one to two weeks, and it ends up being half a season. Uh, yeah. But this time, I, I really don't think it's that severe. I think Bumper's gonna gonna be okay, and uh, he'll he'll get back sooner rather than later. Uh, but I, I would be I would be shocked if we see him this weekend against San Jose State. Yeah, I think what I saw was a clavicle strain. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. That's too. it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So Hutt, go, go, go ahead, but you're good. Go. Hutch, I may be asking this prematurely, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Have we turned a corner, or are we going to see them let off the gas with San Jose State? I mean. I wouldn't necessarily say that we're in the left lane and the hammer's down, but we're definitely either in the middle lane with the blinker on or on the on-ramp trying to get there. Yeah, I, I think that they are moving in the right direction for sure. I, I don't – San Jose State is not a good team. I, I just think – I think they may have turned the corner to where a team that you're supposed to take care of easily, you're going to be able to take care of them easily. I think Arkansas is like a 21-point favorite or something like that. Uh, I, I think that's about right. I think Arkansas should win this game by three touchdowns. Uh, I think they are, you know, they, they, this is a team that knows, hey, Colorado State can beat you. Uh, you know, North Texas can beat you. So you've got to be ready uh, to play a San Jose State. And I think they know how to win now. And I think that's big. Uh, so I, I think they are starting to turn that corner. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned it earlier, you know, just the way they won with having to deal with that adversity you know, second play of the game, uh, you know, having them come back and tie it. You know, you had a, a, a turnover that you caused that got erased uh, by, a, by a penalty. You had uh, the, the fourth down false start, things like that. Things that went wrong that normally would lead to disaster didn't lead to disaster against Colorado State. And so I think that they could take that uh, and take care of business against San Jose State. Now, are they going to be able to do that against Texas A&M or an Auburn or an Alabama or whatever? I, I'm still I'm still waiting to see on that, uh, but I think they'll be able to take care of business uh, in the non-conference. So, 
we, we talked about injuries a little bit and, and talking about, you know, kind of what to expect out of this next game. But obviously the biggest concern that I saw from the game was, um, you know, the lack of contain. I think that's, you know, the middle, and it's been that not just this game. I know Ole Miss found a lot of success on the edges. Even Portland State found a lot of success scrambling around on the edges. Uh, Colorado State obviously figured it out. Um, but my, I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is is there more – is it more to – or is it more along the lines of, you know, uh, Soli, you know, being a little un- – not really undersized, but he's just not got a lot of strength. You know, he's, he's a freshman, obviously, um, and, and takes some bad angles and doesn't set the edge well. Um, and now I'm seeing Zach Williams is potentially going to miss a couple of weeks with, uh, well, I guess, a knee injury. Um, so, man, make me feel better about what we're seeing at the defensive end position right now. Well, I mean, it sounds like Demario Bell is going to be back this week, which I think is, is good. Uh, he's a guy that is tremendously talented, uh, that I've been really high on his entire time he's been here, but this is his fifth year and he still hasn't really done much. Uh, so hopefully he comes back and is able to at least provide some senior leadership along with Gabe Richardson. But uh, really, I mean, a lot of that, what you're talking about is, is uh, I think Chad Morris said it after the game, is that uh, – Colorado State, they're, they gotta, they have, they're smart coaches. Uh, Mike Bobo is an offensive-minded guy. That, they've got a good offense, and they plan to attack those defensive ends, those freshmen out there, because they, they are freshmen. Freshmen are going to make mistakes, uh, and they, they were successful running the ball off the edge, both right and left. So uh, I think that that's something that opposing teams are going to try, uh, at least you know, moving forward. Uh, but again, as long as you can just limit it, you know, where they, they're not too big of games. And, you know, uh, I mentioned this uh, to someone earlier, you know, the, just don't give up the 75 yard play. Right. If you're going to give up a big play, just limit it to like 15 yards or something like that. Those I don't even want to give it up a, on a 15 yard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's a whole lot better than a 75 yard game. So, uh, it, it's something that they are going to have to continue to work on those freshmen. They're going to, they're going to have growing pains, but. Uh, they're, I think they're going to be very good in the future, but you're just going to have to kind of deal with those uh, mistakes this year uh, as they you know, take their lumps. Man, I'm telling you now, I, I, I want to – the whole week between leaving uh, Oxford and, that, and, the end of, and, and the beginning of that game on Saturday, it, Coach Morris honed in on it was all about response. It's all about how to respond. And that's a hell of a response. Yes, yes, it was. I mean, that, that's what he was looking for. I mean, it all goes back to being able to to deal with that kind of stuff and respond not just to what happened in Oxford, but respond to those things uh, that happen during a game. You know, respond when it goes 34-34 in the fourth quarter. you got to respond. Uh, you got to respond whenever, you know, a penalty doesn't go your way or a, a call that you think you should have gotten doesn't go your way. So, we saw several uh, of those. They, exactly. And, and, I mean, they they did that. They responded. That's something that, you know, coaches have been saying, oh, we got to respond or we've got to bounce back, you know, things like that for the last, you know, seven years, dating back to the John L. year. So, but it hasn't happened. They yeah, haven't been able to do it. So well, it, it, I think it was a good it was a good step in the right direction in my opinion. Yeah, and I thought Aguim had a good a good point too when he made the comment. He was like, you know, before we didn't really feel like we could score with folks, and now you know, now we feel like we're there. Um, you, you made a point, and I'm curious your your thoughts on this if you've even had a chance to go back and look at it because it's kind of been a hot topic on social media, and I think even some on the radio today. Um, so the hit by Fusha that caused the the roughing the quarterback. How did I know um, you were going to bring that up? 
Have you seen that? And what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm about to lose my mind on some folks. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the clip and I don't think it was dirty or anything. It was just really bad luck. And you hate to see it because, you know, Colin Hill, he's a talented quarterback. He's had to deal with multiple ACL tears. You know, he's just a guy that just seems to be injury prone. I mean, he's a guy that you know, last off season he was playing basketball and, and, and like around March or something and tore his ACL doing that. So, it's really unfortunate. You hate to see it, but I mean, if you go back and actually watch the clip, uh, I know there was somebody, some Colorado State fan sharing a clip that you know cropped out where he yeah. got tripped. But if you go watch the whole thing, it was very clear that he got tripped and he just happened to go into the guy. Uh, I don't think Fouché is a, a, a dirty player or anything. He plays hard, uh, hits hard and everything, but he plays within the rules. I don't think anyone would intentionally try to go at the quarterback like that because, I mean, he knows that that's a penalty, and he, he got a penalty on him, uh, which I thought was okay. Like, it's, yeah, I mean, he hit him there, but it was also just bad luck on, you know, both players' fault because, you know, it was a penalty and he raced the turnover, but it was also a devastating injury for the quarterback. And so I think it was just a bad luck play all around. Yeah, and I, I, I made the point that – and I, I kind of made the point with a few folks that um, as bad a tackling team as we have been at times – I don't think we're bad enough that our guys are diving at people in the knees with the back of their head to tackle them. It was obvious that, that Fusha tried. He, his hands went down first, and then he attempted to turn left, it looked like, if you watch the, the, the clip kind of slow, and then he actually makes contact with the back of his head. So I just, yeah, it, I didn't see anything dirty about it, but, man, it, it had me fired up a little bit on social media this weekend. <laughs> a little? Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Hutch, I wanted to ask you, and, I, again, I'm not, I'm not going to point fingers at anybody, but – is it textbook by the media to take pictures of the east side of the stadium? <laughs> and so, and here, well, here's here's my problem: is you, you take pictures of the east side of the stadium where there's blinding sun for about ninety eight percent of the game, and then media members go on Twitter and go, "Well, attendance sucked, and not very many people are in the stand." But the entire west side was almost packed. Okay, so here, I'm going to make a couple of points. One, <laughs> if you go back and read the tweet, all it said was, here's the east side of the stadium at the start of the second half. So I wasn't, I just simply shared the picture. I wasn't pointing at you, Hutch, trust me. I just, yeah, so I just shared the picture. That was that. Was that. Uh, two, as far as the West Side Stadium, every I did so. So some people tweeted me a picture of the West Side, and I retweeted it. So I was like, "Hey, this is fair to retweet." Uh, you know, everyone says, "Oh, it was packed." Well, to be fair, it it was full, but it was there were still open patches in the lower deck, and the upper deck was very, very sparsely filled. Uh, so still, it wasn't great. Uh, you know, the the attendance, the announced attendance, paid attendance, was fifty five thousand five hundred something, which is the uh, fourth lowest since the stadium expanded in 2001 and the lowest since 2003. So it wasn't a great crowd. Uh, but again, I don't necessarily fault fans for, for not going because it is, I mean, at least the last couple of years has been a bad football team. Yeah. And they may still not be great. They are improving. But again, people need to see it. And tickets aren't cheap. I understand that. Uh, it's not cheap to park. It's not easy to park. Uh, the concessions aren't cheap. So, I mean, I definitely get it if you're not, you know, don't want to go to the game or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was 
it was it was a sad it was a sad crowd. Uh, but I again I don't blame that. Some, when I share the pictures, usually it's just to let people see it and draw their own conclusions. My biggest conclusion I would have drawn from that picture was that the student section was horrible. Uh, my my little brother is one of the guys that you see on the the front line of the student section, dressed in overalls, looking all crazy. And yes, stuff. And I saw him. He, exactly. So, but it there, there's just the, the students aren't there. There's just really no interest from the students, and that that's what's kind of sad because you know, as the the U of A's perspective is those those are the people that are going to graduate, go make a lot of money, and then donate to the program because they had such a great time in the student section when they were students. But there's going to be a gap in that because there's there's just not been that many students there. Uh, sometimes I'll post a picture to be like, you know, here's the here's the crowd, and it's like you know jam packed like I do it at you know Baumwalker Stadium all the time during baseball because it's it's incredible. You know, they got mm-hmm. ten thousand people packed in there, no matter if it's ninety eight degrees with humidity of one hundred and ten or whatever. Uh, so it's just one of those things that just you know I let the I let the reader or the viewer draw their own conclusions. Uh, but some people don't like that. <laughs> well, don't get me wrong. We have a bone to pick with the fans tonight anyway. So oh, yeah. I was I was disappointed. But I think where I found some, I guess, humor and a little bit of frustration in those when those pictures come out is the east side. Now, nah, it wasn't full. There was, it was, no, it was there bad. Was, but before halftime, there was a decent number of people. And I just wonder how many <laughs> people are still at concession lines getting their eighth and ninth and tenth beers. And uh, or or that did I guess that was a couple of high schools that were on the on the field during the halftime with the band. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how many of that was parents that you know left once that was done too. So, um, but yeah, I, I just man, it's brutal over there. I, I know plenty of set there. But you're right. You know, you say that about the student section. Something that I found interesting was when we were at Oxford last week. Um, was you know that there? I mean, they were pretty empty. But man, that end zone—the the student section basically takes up that entire end zone, and they just about had that end zone full. So, oh um, yeah, I know. mean that was—they—they they did a great job at Ole Miss. I thought. I mean, they—it hasn't always looked like that. I remember when I went to Ole Miss. I guess it was eight years ago, something like that, when I was still in high school. And you know that end zone was not the way it is now. It, it was like literally like high school bleacher seats where. You know, you drop your phone down and it falls underneath the bleachers. Mm-hmm. But they they've completely renovated it and you know made it look good for the students. And yeah, I mean that that was a really bad crowd too. I think the announced attendance was only like forty seven thousand or something. That that that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, that that crowd was bad. And they had and the thing is, is they have an opportunity from a from a game from what they do in game to really make that place loud. And and it was it was pretty pretty disappointing. Um, so, so as we move forward, we're talking about fan excitement. We talk about this next game coming up. Um, what do you think we're going to see from this offense? Do you think that they will? You think they'll dial it back a little bit from a you know from a more vanilla standpoint, or do we get to keep seeing them push Starkle and, and and really move this offense up and down the field at least for a half? Yeah, I mean, they're I think they're going to be vanilla in the sense that they're not going to completely open up the playbook uh, because you you shouldn't have to open up the playbook. Uh, to to just run all over San Jose State, just like how you should you should have been able to score more than twenty points against Portland State, even if you were vanilla. Uh, so I, I expect them to, but I still think they're gonna they're gonna do the things that they've already put on film because if you've already put it on film, why would you try to hide it? Uh, and just to let the you know let the offense continue to get those reps that they need to get the timing down. Uh, you're still gonna see some you know deep passes to Trey Knox and Traylon Burks just to to keep working on that timing, that, that mesh between them and, and Starkle. Uh, so I think they're still going to – I think they should still put up 40 points, something like that. 
pretty. I think they should do it pretty easily because, again, I just don't think this San Jose State team is, is very good. And plus, you need to keep getting those reps for that offense. So whenever they do go to Texas, uh, go to Arlington to play Texas A and M, that they're they're ready and they're uh, got that experience they need to, to be able to put up points against the Aggies. Hutch, we're three games in. Does your record prediction still hold, or do you, have you changed it? after seeing what they did against uh, Colorado State? I'm sticking with five and seven. I know people are, are drinking the Kool-Aid and are back on the, oh, they can make a bowl game and everything, but still, I mean, they, they lost to Ole Miss. Uh, that was going to be their best chance to, to maybe uh, to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, but now I feel I feel a lot better now that they're, they're not going to lose to San Jose State or Western Kentucky. I think they're going to complete a perfect non-conference schedule, uh, which they haven't done in a while. Uh, that helps. But I still think they're going to steal a game uh, from somebody. Maybe it's Kentucky. You know, They're down a, a starting quarterback. Or maybe it's Mississippi State. I know their starting quarterback is, has been banged up. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's Missouri at the end of the year. So I, I think they steal a game somewhere. I just I don't know how they would be able to steal – two of their final seven SEC games when Ole Miss has already been played. Yeah, that's – you know, I'm tempering my excitement until I see us do this against an SEC team and consistently for four quarters. So, um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, Hutch, uh, we appreciate your time tonight, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Hopefully we're uh, coming off another win. Yeah, yeah, sounds good, guys. Looking forward to it. All right, Thanks, Hutch. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Yep, you too. When we come back – we're going to wrap things up, and I got a couple of awards to hand out. Woohoo! So, you're listening to Inside the Natural State. Subscribe to Inside the Natural State and give us a five star review on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at Natural State Sports. Welcome back to the final segment of this week's show of Inside the Natural State. Steve, man, we've covered a lot. We have, and it's been exciting, though. We've, we've, we've covered the good stuff and the bad stuff. Hopefully. You think Hutch got mad at me when I asked him about the, the... He's probably tired of being asked about it, but, I mean, it's a fair question. But, but I wasn't talking about him. Yeah, you were. I, I no, I really wasn't. I was. I mean, I'm not. I mean, it was. I mean, there's. It's. It's not just him in general. It's but. every media member, and the, and all they do because they're sitting on top of the press box, which is on the west side. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and that's the angle they see, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's. But you can't judge that at all. Yeah. So okay. This is also the hardest. What more what favorite segment? What 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 are we doing? Nothing. Sorry, I'm doing I'm doing like you, and I'm looking. There was a there was just a trade announced. Who traded? The Steelers are trading a 2020 first round pick to the Dolphins for Minka Fitzpatrick. Eh. Wow. That's they they need a quarterback. They do, but that's big. Hmm. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, which by the way, I'm going to go ahead and throw out there. I'm two and zero in our uh, our little fantasy football. Yeah, even a blind squirrel can find nuts from time to time. <laughs> How long you been holding on to that one? <laughs> just came to me. You've seen, talking about the Twitterverse, social media in general. Yeah. You've seen the video of Coach Morris <laughs> breaking it down, more or less, with his players in the locker room. Yeah. Music's up. He's dancing. They're all dancing. Everybody's, act, I mean, everybody's acting like that's the biggest problem on the planet right, right now. Sorry, I've got the hiccups. Yeah. I'm. <sighs> what do you think? And I want to talk, wait, before we get into the, 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 the post game when he was talking to players. Yeah. Did you notice something about 
how they acted, nobody spoke when he spoke. When he started speaking, you heard it in the in the clip we played early in the show. They all quieted down. Well, I thought was was even more was if you noticed there was still a lot that were there was still a lot going on in the background, and you could hear guy you could hear Scooter for sure. Um, you could hear those guys. Hey, you know they were trying they were making sure everybody was shutting up and listening to the coach. So obviously there's a ton of respect there right now. Which right. After reading a few more things I've read tonight, I've lost even more respect for the old staff. <laughs> that's yeah, another that's, story well, for a whole other yeah. podcast. But what do you? I mean. How do you feel about seeing that video? Oh, okay. So I, most of the most of the reactions were, "What'd they do? Beat Alabama?" Yeah. So hang on, I'm trying to find. I had a. Uh, I'm trying to find my tweet because. The, yeah. Here, here's here's my here's my thought on it. Okay, here's my thought on. It. Yes, under normal circumstances, this is a game we're supposed to win. Mm-hmm. Under normal circumstances, not in a year and a half of a rebuild. Yeah. In a normal circumstance. This is a game you're supposed to win. Yes. So why not? Why not celebrate that? Well, and that was kind of the, the thing that was brought up. So my first, first off, here, my my issue is you start thinking about um, how that how the, the the reactions of the fans. So so fan, what do we want? Do we want this team to win and be excited about it, or do we want this team to go through the motions and show no show no emotion and, and just just win or lose? Who the hell cares? Because that's what we've seen for seven years: is win or lose. Who the hell cares? We heard guys like Scooter, guys like Gabe Richardson on Twitter, who's been very outspoken. Um, guys, you know, uh, who quoted? You said it before the show when we, you, me, and Will were sitting around talking. Who said something about coming to play, have some, having something to play for, or something? Well, no, it was Sosa that made the comment yeah, about, yeah, yeah. Um, about the fact that they, all, you know, the defense knows now that the offense is going to score and they're going to be able to score with anybody. You know, whereas before they didn't have that feel. You know that if there was a mistake, they had something happen on the defensive side of the ball that the game was basically over because the offense wasn't going to be able to keep up. So that's I mean that's my question for the fan base is what do you want? Yes, I agree, and this was my response. By the way, you know if 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 you want to if you want to throw me a uh, throw me a follow at High Flying Hogs, you know um, go ahead. And I'm at Razorback there. Zach, yeah. and I'm trying to catch him. <laughs> you got a ways. Somehow I have a. A lot. Uh, thanks everybody for following me. So I've anyway, got seventy followers, so yeah, I'm somewhere in the five fifty range right now. Somehow, um, so anyway, how many this, people I follow? This NG or tell them coach or whoever this person was on Twitter um, at tell them coach, um, obviously troll account or something said uh, said y'all. What we, he responded to uh, responded to the Razorback football to that. I think it was. Let me see. I think it was actually to that tweet. Yes, yeah, to the dancing tweet. Says y'all that happy over a team you were supposed to beat? Question mark. This was my response, and this is still my response. You're damn straight. I'm happy we beat a team we were supposed to beat because I bet if I search your timeline, I'll find something about us not improving. I saw that. So last season, we lost to the teams we were supposed to beat, like Colorado State, whom we were supposed to beat, and we lost to last year. So my question to the fan base is: Do you want improvement or do you not? Because last year. We weren't beating this. We didn't beat this team. Well, there was another one, and of course, I don't want to take away to our future sh- uh, segment down the a oh, few we minutes got from plenty now. Of that. But I mean, I, 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 there was one, and you even responded back. Uh, this guy comes on Twitter, and I think I, I don't have it pulled up. Uh, he was like, "Tear down Donald, Donald W. Reynolds oh. Stadium." We're a baseball program, and you just said, "Hey, I just wanted to check on your mental state because." I mean, can, if you find that one, I, that that one right That's there right was here. a winner for me. So I don't know who this guy is. Apparently, he has a podcast as well, and 
supposedly this is this is just him telling jokes and we don't understand him because he always is that emo look guys i'm emotional too y'all y'all seen yeah, my stuff are. i get aggravated you I kicked get over a beer and, and doused and doused the people in front of us i didn't realize i did that but i mean i get i get emotional on twitter don't get me wrong yeah, oh I, yeah I, and on social media i say my piece i said my piece during that game while we were there i was very frustrated with some things that right there was ridiculous. Like that response is 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 indicative of how ridiculous this fan base can be and how emotionally ridiculous they can be. Well, and and you've had eight years of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we won. Yeah. But but see, that's what gets me is the fans get mad about the response of a win because of who they beat. But then the fans get mad at other fans for getting mad. Like there's there's no rhyme or reason to our fan base right now. Just enjoy like enjoy what you we're enjoy the it. growth we're getting to see right you now. You didn't see it against Portland State. I'm pretty sure you didn't see it against the directional Illinois team last year or even Tulsa. Right. This one meant something and it's and it's it's key. Redemption. Well they knew they knew. This coaching staff especially knew they didn't finish last year. Right. Okay? They finished for the first time in about nine years. I have finally seen this ball this ball team finish in the second half. Yeah, and we did. And that was that was obviously – and that was probably what they were most excited about. I mean, is well, you know it was. I mean, the fact that they did – they did get a little, you know, a little bit of redemption – um, but in, in more than anything, they showed that this team knows how to respond. And so I, I loved it. I loved seeing the interaction in the locker room. I loved seeing them dancing. I loved that because what, that, what, what I saw was that family, we're playing for one another culture that's being built in that program. Whether we beat Alabama or we beat Colorado State, San Jose State, I don't care. They won they were excited about it, and that's what you're building on going forward. That's what make that that's that's cheer. I don't care. Have fun with it. I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so, don't let this be a hangover against San Jose. You come in Sunday morning, ready to get right back to work. Put your foot right back up on that gas pedal. Yeah, and I liked what Morris said at the end of what he was. You know, he said, "You guys." Pay attention. Make good choices. Don't make good choices tonight. We we all we all need to be back here in the morning. And obviously, of all reports, that everybody came back without any issues. <laughs> so <clears throat> we've obviously got a couple of injuries. But in terms of you know the the, the discipline on this team, that's something else that I that I thought was extremely impressive. This is a again, this is a young team out there. And I I didn't look. I think I'd, I I'm I'm gonna segue segue for a minute. You know, we're watching Monday Night Football while we're recording this. Um, did you see the tweet from ESPN just that they just put out a few minutes ago? No. Uh, Trevor Simeon is out officially ruled out with an ankle injury. Le'Veon Bell is now the Jets' backup quarterback in case Luke Falk gets injured. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Sounds okay. about right. How desperate are you to take a running back and put him in the backup quarterback position? You don't have much of a choice now. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have much of a choice now, but but so something. Sorry, that, I know that was that was completely off topic, but I was, I, I looked at that and went, say what? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So so something that we've talked and I, I talked about it even before game one, um, from a discipline standpoint. You know, we wanted to see heart, wanted to see discipline, wanted to see this team play well. Five penalties for forty nine yards. Five penalties 
for 49 yards. That's well, all they had in this last game. What did, what did they have in the previous two, do you know? Uh, I'd have to go back and look, but it hadn't been a lot. There's, there's not been a lot of boneheaded, stupid penalties. We've not – I mean, we've had a couple of times. The Portland State game, we had a couple moments there in a couple of late drives where things kind of got away from them. But overall, I mean, and, and really, you take the – so it's something else that we're going to talk about a little bit, but – you take the the roughing the passer penalty out, which was we haven't even talked about that one. Yeah, well, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because, well, it wasn't spent, intentional. No. It wasn't a dirty hit. I, there you go. I I've just ended. yeah, I've spent a ton of time on this since Saturday night dealing with. And, and let me let me say this: I went to Fort Collins last year, um, and met nothing but great people. Every every we, we CSU, met, that, met people like that last yeah, year. Every single CSU fan that I met um, while we were in Fort Collins, where, where they were absolutely fantastic people. What do we, what do we have going on? Oh, my God. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> oh, man, we got to stop watching videos. <laughs> that's a, you can share that one on the Twitter page there. Uh, there that, that's, that. <laughs> I can't describe that. You can't unsee that. that. No. Mm, I thought Les Miles only ate grass. So, Coach O's got a different game going down there right now. Oh, man. You see that? That yeah. was Coach O. And yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, so, anyway, where were we? Oh, so, so CSU fans, like, everyone that I have met in person, fantastic people. The, the ones that we interacted with a little bit while we were in the stadium this week, great people. But apparently, their tough guys live on social media because well, there's a lot of Social media tough guys on the on the CSU bandwagon. Hell, I'm look. I'm two twenty four five nine. I'm husky. Anybody can be tough behind a damn keyboard. Yeah, I, yeah. And and so the folks that are calling Joe Fusha a dirty player, he is the farthest thing from it. We didn't watch the same clip. Like, even if you take the clip that got shared that was the basically edited down version not mm-hmm. showing the trip, it's still plain as day to see that Fusha tried to avoid that. Now, I don't know if these folks expect Fusha to, like, perform a magic trick in midair and disappear because that was about the only way he was avoiding that contact. So I've said my piece about that. I thought that was pretty dadgum ridiculous. And, and I will say this. I hate it for Hill. Um, I think that's his third ACL tear. Um, dude's got some bad luck. That was a bad, bad situation. But it's football, man. These things happen. Risk is part it's of the game. You want to wear them pads. You're going to cut block an end. And while the safety's blitzing, it's something that might happen. So, you know, if Fuchsia doesn't lose his balance there, he's not going to get the sack, but he's going to pull up and not hit the quarterback. But instead, he gets tripped and goes down and doesn't have a choice but to hit the ground and, and then he even tried to roll away from it and hit him with the back of his head. So before we get into our SEC power rankings of the, uh, of this week, <clears throat> I got to give a shout out to our defensive player of the week. And that's going to be my pick cam curl. Uh, guys got his name. And, and I say cam because I got to give a shout out to his dad at coach G curl said, the, uh, he said this this morning. He said, best thing is we haven't played our best ball game yet. That's Hashtag right. woo pig suey. Well, and as as we go forward, you know, I think Cam played a really good game. He he was he was out of position a few times, took a few bad angles, but at the end of the day, he saved our butt. And we all times. thought there for a minute, I thought he was really bad hurt, and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that was. Just but that was cramping. it looked like it was just cramping. But okay, so who you got this week? Give me your fourteen. 
Oh, okay. So let me let me let me turn the page. I struggled with this one. Did you? I I, I didn't so much. I mean, so well, t- I struggled with it because I didn't. I mean, well, there's a the, lot of mediocrity going this the week. The top half of the league. Well, there just wasn't a lot of. You couldn't really take much from what we saw. Sorry, this Will. Week. I hiccuped in the mic. Um, so at one, I've still got Bama. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing changes my mind there. Um, That'll change on November 9th, though. November 9th and November November eleventh. One of the we'll two. See. So. Really, for no reason other than respect um, of what happened over the weekend, I moved Georgia to number two. I, I don't know that I see uh, until we see something happen there. I don't see a whole lot of difference between them and them and LSU. I thought LSU kind of went through the motions this weekend. Yeah. Um, I thought Georgia went through the motions and dominated, whereas LSU went through the motions and yeah, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't wasn't great. But again, they've had a couple big games to start the year, so give them a little bit of a pass. But I got Georgia too. I see. I got LSU too. Yeah, and and, and I don't. I think they're interchangeable right there. I got yeah, LSU. Three. They're they're two and two a. So yeah, I mean, I got LSU three. Um, then I got Auburn at four. I got Auburn at four. I've got Florida at five. They won't stick there. See, um, I got A and M at five. Okay, Florida at six. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm, I've got Florida at five. I got A and M at six. Um, I got State at seven. Hmm. See, I got Arkansas at seven. Really? Yeah. I, so, holy crap! Yeah. So maybe I'm maybe I'm throwing the Homer pants on right now, but um, oh. Mississippi State just didn't impress me. They they got beat. They they got beat at home by Kansas State. Not a not an overly powerful football program. Oh, that's true. Um, their quarterback got to fly like a helicopter, which was really cool. That was an awesome <laughs> replay. <laughs> the greatest hit, man. Um, but the thing is, he popped right back up. He did. So I mean. I, I'm, I wasn't – so we have a log jam right here at two and one, like from what A&M down, it goes – we got a bunch of two and one yeah. teams. And to me, what I saw is is Arkansas kind of leading that middle of the pack. Now, we're going to find out in two weeks where we really are anyway. That, so that, that game still bothers to, me. To me, from seven on – well, from seven to ten, eleven is really a big toss-up right now. Um I've got Arkansas at seven. Wow. Yeah. I've got uh mistake at eight. Okay. I've got Kentucky at eight. Okay. I've got Kentucky at nine. Missouri at nine. I got South Carolina at ten. See, I got Ole Miss at ten. Was who did Missouri even play this weekend? Hold on, some, I'll tell you. Some big some FCS school wasn't it? It wasn't it was a nobody. I think they they dominated it. I, I mean, again, like I said, I feel like that whole stretch is that whole stretch of teams is kind of interchangeable. But so I've got uh, yeah, Ole Miss at ten. Let's see, I was trying to pull up the SEC, but my thing's being dumb. Missouri played Southeast Missouri State, and they beat them fifty to nothing. Yeah. So um, you know, and and really, I guess if I thought about it harder, I'd probably put. Missouri at ten and Ole Miss at eleven, just because Ole Miss struggled with an FCS team this weekend. So they they struggled for a little bit. Um, I kicked got, a field goal at the end to put that game away. Now you know I'm a realist, so I, I didn't put Arkansas that high. Okay, um, um, I got South, I got South Carolina at ten. Listen to this, thing. I'm, I'm not a realist. Okay? Well, you, 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 you said you put the Homer pants on. Don't you mess with my mind? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I it's thought not they, fair. I, I, I just. I mean, I don't. Which I mean, realistically looking at it now, I mean that kind of makes a, a little bit of sense. I'm just in that log jam right there. But yeah. I'm real. I mean, until we get to SEC play, I don't want to overhype them. So I've got oh, them. At, yeah. I've got yeah. them at eleven. 
Okay. That moved them up from, from 12. They're, they're slowly creeping up there. Okay. Um, Ole Miss at 12. And, of course, the Tennessee schools interchangeable at 13 and 14. Well, I got South Carolina 12 and then – I got uh, Vandy 13 because they had a week Tennessee. off. And then ten- Tennessee, I, what what can you – I mean, uh, what can you say? I mean, it's just – they're just not a good football. I mean, they, again, they, they won like they should have this weekend, like 45 nothing or something like that. So. Can you believe what that good, fan base – what happened – what would have happened to that fan base had they lost again? Yeah, it would have been – they're going to lose this week. So, they got to – Who they, they play this they week? They open SEC play with uh, – is it Kentucky? No, Florida. That's right. So, well, so we'll week – Week four SEC slate is Arkansas San Jose State. You take an Arkansas, right? Yeah. Bama Southern Miss. Bama. LSU Vanderbilt. LSU. Tennessee Florida. Florida. Cal Ole Miss. Cal. Auburn A uh, Auburn A and M. Auburn. Kentucky Mistake. Ooh, that's a tough one. Ooh, that's a tough one. Hmm, man. I want to take – where's that game at? It's in Stark, Vegas. Okay. Not that it mattered this week, but – I'm going to go Miss – I'm going to go Mississippi State. All right, I'll go Kentucky just to be different because I really don't. I think it's a Damn toss-up. You. <laughs> I just think it's a toss-up. South Carolina, Missouri. Oh, man. Flip, a, flip a coin. Yeah, but I'm going to go Missouri and, and just because South Carolina is just – That game is – Okay. That game's in at Missouri. I was gonna say yeah. that's in, it's in Columbia, but which Columbia? Yeah. Which one? I, I, I'm gonna go Missouri just because I feel like that's a um, the nightcap. Georgia Notre Dame. Man, that's I'm number going. three. Georgia number seven. Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm I'm going Georgia. Um, not to play the SEC homer because I don't do that, but I just. I, I I don't trust Notre Dame. Never will. So I'm I'm taking Georgia there. All right. So okay. So now comes our favorite part of the whole podcast. The hell are these people thinking? I mean, yeah. I'm. So who you got this week? You got one. You got two. Who you got? I mean, you could take a pick. I could, and that's the, so I, I've got two. And, and I know we try to keep this within Razorback. New, new 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 segment title instead of what the hell were you thinking? It's Steve's dumbass of the week. Yeah, something along those lines. So, yes, um, <laughs> he's more active on Twitter than I am. I yeah I am. So I have two. Oh, but but I, I'm gonna. So one of them is that idiot from from uh, Colorado State, the <coughs> Dasami. Is that it? Yeah, like the water. Almost Dasahimi. I'm guessing his name is David Sahimi, at D. Sahimi. He says he's trying to be the best father I can be. I got an idea. Get off Twitter. Um, you can be a much better ah. dad if you get the hell off Twitter. Um, but honestly, this so this is the dude that shared the the edited clip of Fusha get, not getting tripped. Just, and, and then he's the one that basically started this wildfire of Fusha being a dirty player. Right. Um, him, and, and he's got a little buddy. His name is like, I don't know, anyway – so yeah, I just this guy. He argued what was what was ridiculous. The most ridiculous of the whole thing is he shares this video. He calls the Razorbacks dirty. He, I mean, he goes all and all goes all in on calling Fusha the program. But then he's like, I don't understand why y'all are being so defensive. Like because our player is not dirty. You are making stuff up right now. Like you're you are calling one of our play. You're you're calling our players dirty. 
you're 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 showing half a clip, then you're spreading a rumor that says Fuchsia's out on Twitter bragging about the hit, which he was did a no such flat thing. out lie. Fuchsia's made made one tweet since the game, and it was just he he talked about the running back being too slow. Is basically what he said. He if you watch the video that he retweeted, he just said got to be faster than that. And it was Fuchsia hit coming into the hole and taking the running back down. That was all he was talking about. It was it wasn't even the same play. So that's that is easily my number my one A. Um, but if we're if we're going just off of Razorback Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to – I'm not – you know what? I'm not going to say this guy's name. And the reason is is because apparently he has another podcast and I don't want to give him any attention. But the guy who told us we need to tear down the stadium, um, this guy, this David fella, um, I don't care what your excuse is. I understand that this program is frustrating, but when you come out – and you tell us we need to burn the program down and we need to stop football, we need to get rid of it all, and then you turn around and when people start coming at you and questioning what you say and calling out your, your, your stupidity, and you're like, oh, man, uh, I, I was just joking. No, you weren't. You weren't just joking. This was, this was what you wanted. This was, the, this was the attention you wanted. You hoped that the program was falling apart so that you could get out and bash, get out ahead of it and bash the program. Look, I'm not happy about some of the stuff I saw this weekend. I'm not happy about the fact that our defensive ends look lost, but they're freshmen. We, we're running Zach Williams, who's now hurt, and Mateo Soli, who has one hand. I mean, these guys, and, and he's, while so, so, so Soli was brought into this program as a, for right now, the thought process was for him to be a third down specialist. They, what he did in high school, they hoped could translate in his freshman year and he could get after the quarterback. Unfortunately, because of injuries to Bell and DG, Soli's been thrust into the starting role. And unfortunately, he's getting eat up a little bit. He's young. He's inexperienced. Right. He does not know how to set an edge very well. It's understandable. He's only going to get better. Uh, and so why are we trying to, tear down this program and tear down these players by saying some of the stupid stuff we're saying when if you watch the whole game you saw the improvement was out that was out there so see just, my thing is my thing is, you know these players see this stuff you know they do yeah well i hope they use it as motivation i really do i hope that i hope that they take it in stride and understand that yes this program has sucked and that there's a lot of fans that are not overly excited as as, as they're right but man Again, if you're going to come, if you're going to buy a ticket, if you're going to be given a ticket, if you're going to step foot inside the gates of that stadium, get in there and be loud because you as a fan, whether you're on social media or you're at the game, if you're at that football game as a fan, you have no right to call players quitters or to be down on a player if you're not going to do your job as a fan and be in the stands and cheer and be loud and be excited and push those guys to a win because I promise you, if you ask every single player on that football field what their mentality was between the before the O'Grady play and after the O'Grady play and how loud that stadium got and how much momentum that created, they'll tell you all day long that that's why they won that game. There was one on Twitter, and I forget who said it. I think it was one of the Hoggettes, I think, that said, did anybody notice how the hog call, I think it was late in the third, early in the fourth, where we did the hog call. And, and again, I'm glad to see that we're doing more and more hog calls. Yeah. Okay. Love doing the hog call. Yeah. I get ratty when we do the hog call. Um, 
it just kind of re-energized the defense and and and, and just the 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 momentum increased within the team. I mean, you oh, yeah. saw and I saw it. I did. I saw oh, yeah. it. You could you could feel it. I mean, you could feel it in the stadium. So they feed off of us. Absolutely. And if we're sitting there on our phones, not paying attention, not standing up, they're not gonna put And the thing is, this wasn't North Texas from last year. This wasn't a game we were getting blown out by a team we shouldn't get blown out by. It was a little closer than what probably folks would have liked at, right. at certain points in the game. But, again, you saw what a difference it made when that crowd, when that place started to get loud, even for the 40-ish thousand that were left in the fourth quarter. When that place started getting rocking, those players started playing harder. That defense didn't give up anything in the fourth quarter. No. So, yeah, absolutely. Get and the fun and part about out. it is, the fun part about it is, if this crew holds together into next year, look out. Well, yeah, and, and it, here's the other thing. All I'm going to say right now is look out. The excitement we saw in that locker room at the end of that game is the kind of stuff that will bring all these new recruits in. That's the kind of stuff that's going to keep building this, building the family, building this nucleus, that in two years we can sit back and hopefully say, hey, told you so to all these bandwagon jumpers that are wanting to jump on here in well, a couple of years. Well, you know, my hope is in two years when we go up against Alabama – I'm not going to sit there and go, it's a loss. Yeah, at least we have hope. Like, I, I don't – yeah, at least we can go into it thinking, okay. So, on that, we've, we've, we've digested it. We've, we've, we've swallowed it. We've, we've pulled a Jameis Winston and we've eaten it, and now we're moving forward. The hell? You know, the, the finger thing where he's what – was, what was that stupid deal that Winston did a couple years ago on, on, in the huddle where he's – First off, how did you bring Jameis Winston into this? I don't know. It just sounded good. It came to me at the moment. So you pulled that out of thin air, yeah. didn't you? So, so, so <laughs> way we, to bring this podcast to a grinding <laughs> freaking halt. I'm sorry. <laughs> so as, as we move forward, our excitement turns to San Jose state. Yeah. I think everybody kind of thinks it's a win. It's a 21 point spread on most books. Where are you, you at? Where, where are you at on this game? You would think, however, don't lose focus. Don't overlook this game and focus on A&M. Right. Okay. Well, this team can't afford to do that. No, and I don't. I don't. You want my honest opinion? Lay sixty don't on. Don't lie them. to me. Lay sixty on them. Keep that foot on the pedal. Okay. Yep. Keep that momentum going because, as we've seen in years past, they let up. It's hard to get it back. Yep. Okay. Now, am I saying intentionally run up the score on on San Jose? No. But you get mentally prepared for SEC play because. These non-conference games, they're pretty much done for about a month and a half until you reach uh, Western Kentucky. Right. Yeah, so what I want to see out of this game, and as, as we wrap up here, what I want to see from this game is, sure, I'd love to see a 60-10 to 10 game. Um, but what I want to see more than anything is I want to see Nick Starkle start the game, which we know is going to happen. Yep. And I want to see Nick Starkle play until the middle of the third quarter. I, I want to see. Depends us. on see, and that's where you and I differ. It depends on what the score is at half. If but we're up, if I, we're up big enough at half, go ahead and pull him. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think so. In my opinion, I think you still want to run the momentum of that. So we talked about it. the The game planning, how they game plan the, the very first couple of drives in, the, in this. And so I want to see this offense a well oiled machine. This is a game where you can really oil up the machine and make it run real smooth as you go forward into SEC, as you go into forward into SEC play. So what I want to see is I want to see us get through half. I want to see us have a nice lead at half, 
Get Starkle out there for one, maybe two more scoring possessions right after the half. Get Just like you did when you came out in the second half of this game, I want to see the same thing. And I want to see Ben Hicks. I want to see Hicks out there. And I want to see Hicks because here's, here's the thing. Hicks is not our future, and we know that. But you know when Hicks could be our future potentially? Is yeah. come Stark. Texas A&M, come Auburn. If Starkle gets his bell rung. Yeah, because this offensive line is still a work in progress. They looked better. But there's still some work there, and, and Starkle's going to take some shots. Well, you even saw it against, against uh, Ole Miss. Yeah. He, took, he knows how to take a pop. Well, that first hit he took, he, he didn't act like he wanted to get up from against no. Ole Miss. So, I mean, I'm – so that's – I want to – and then I want – so I want to see Hicks get out there and, 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 and have an opportunity see. because I think that that's a golden opportunity for Hicks to get a little confidence. I think right. his confidence is shattered right now, and, and I think that he needs to get out there – and hopefully get some confidence. If he can't do it in that scenario either, then we know we need to move on. But at least give him a chance and then let KJ and, and John Stephen Jones split out the fourth quarter. And hopefully we're in a position to do those things. That's what I want to see. I think we will be. One of the things I want to look at is the, this defense. Yeah. We gave up 400 yards to Colorado State. Unacceptable come SEC play. They will run all over us if we do that. Yeah. So tweak it. Tighten it up a little bit. Okay, that's what I want to see. Now, I, I'm with you as far as Hicks, just to kind of see how he's responded being number two. Just to kind of yeah. see his demeanor, if it's changed him, if it's helped him. That I want to see because we've got unconfirmed reports. And again, you can't believe everything you read. Yeah. We've got unconfirmed reports that his attitude on the sideline Saturday wasn't the greatest. Yeah. Okay, and it's not just coming from one person. This is coming from about three or four uh, different people that I that I know that I've talked to, um, saying that his his demeanor was not what it was supposed to be as far as a leader is concerned. So, but the big thing, defense. I want to see that defense tighten up a little bit because you're going to have to against A and M. You are, but I mean, I think this season, and and this will probably upset some folks, but. I don't think the defense is going to be all that good this year. I mean, from what I've seen so far and the the injuries we already have, DG's not coming back. We're going to get Bell back. You've already lost Zach Williams. Hopefully, Soli's about to get that club off his hand. Um, but regardless, there's some youth playing in some very important spots. Um, and and the linebacker situation concerns me. I, I take nothing away from, from, from Hayden, Henry, um, and, and from Morgan. But, I mean, again – those are guys that could potentially get swallowed up when we start playing bigger SEC teams. And and so that concerns me. And so to me, having this offense clicking on all cylinders is more important than the defense being a, you know, a top-rated defense this year. I think that people kind of got that thought process after the Portland State that the defense would carry us this year because the offense looked so bad. <laughs> But I don't think that's the situation right now. I think that there's too many injuries on the defensive side of the ball. What I want to see is a little – use the word fundamentals, but I want to see them do a better job at containing the edge. I think this is a game where they can gain some confidence from that and and, and you and, and teach those ends a few things. Um, outside of that, you know, I think that, you know, the offense is where my eyes are going to be this week. I don't think that – I don't want to see this vanilla, boring, watered down – I want to see – then put Starkle out there and run what he knows, push the ball down the field, give us some tempo, put this game away early, and then let some young guys play. Well, but – and, again, we're wrapping up here. Um, 
I think you're going to see a lot of things of just, okay, if this isn't working, let's try this. Okay. I think it's more of a team because this is your last shot for at least a month and a half because it's your nose is to the grindstone. You got A&M coming up. You got Kentucky. Now you get a bye week in there. Okay. That right. you can that you heal injuries if you got them because you know you're coming out of A&M with a couple of injuries. That's yeah. just SEC play. They always bring their best. Period. Right. You got Alabama coming up. You got Auburn. Okay. Am I expecting lights out defense? No. Consistency is what I'm looking for. Can we build off of last week? We'll see. Like I said, I'm 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 with you. I want to see some a little more consistently consistency from the defense. But here's the thing. We might see a whole lot of bend but don't break defense this year. We may see teams put up four or five hundred yards and thirty or thirty-five points, but hopefully we're moving the ball as well and we're scoring and able to put up 40. I th- and I think that's just what we're going to have to live with this year because until these young guys really get integrated into the system and understand, and, and more importantly than that, guys like Soli, Zach Williams, um, and, a, and Colin Clay, and these, these younger guys on the defensive front, they just got to get bigger. They got to get bigger. They got to understand the speed. So with that, um, what, what, what's your score? Uh, well, they scored 55 on, on Colorado State. Okay. So I'm going to go 63-17. Okay. I can, I can. Maybe a 21 with that bend don't break offense. Okay. So I think uh, they only scored like 18 or 15 or something against Tulsa. Um, well, they didn't score a lot. This is not a good San Jose State football team. This is an opportunity for the defense to, to kind of show out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think we'll have a false sense of security after this game from the defense. Um, give me 59. So it's an odd number. Well, you know, I think Limpert's going to kick a few again. So give me. He's a, got a leg. 59 to 13. That's not a bad one. Hey, before we get out of here, though, I got I to gotta get your opinion. We got our first 11 a.m. kickoff uh, in Dallas against AM. Wah! No, I'm just kidding. I don't give a shit. Let's not be at Alabama now. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's going to do it for us, man. That's, yeah. we're right. I, I really don't care. I, I'm, I'm cool with it. I, I don't mind the 11 o'clock kickoff. I don't so. care. Hey, yeah. football's football, baby. Get, I'm, get, eat up, get up, eat some lunch, and watch football all day, and I can already be done with the Arkansas game early. So there you go. It's ugly. It's, it's over, and if we win, I can scream and shout the rest of the day. There you go. So, You've been listening to Inside the Natural State on Arkansas Sports Podcasts with Zach and Steve. We will see you next week. Woo pig. Remember to join us every week as Zach and Steve bring the best in fan reaction to Arkansas sports. Follow us on social media for the best of fan-driven, unfiltered content.